I bless you this morning. You may be seated. Well, again, what a wonderful presence of the Lord in this place. <clears throat> Excuse me. I wanted to come out here this morning behind the pulpit with a coat and look nice and tell you how you like my new suit. And uh, I just couldn't make it. And, uh, but I kept the tie. I want to thank you for all your love, your kindness that you have shown to Sister Sherman and I. Thank you for the food, the cakes, the, uh, just everything. Thank you. Thank you for loving me so much. And to you, I, this may seem a little silly. But thank you for loving us enough that I got to go buy my own suit in 15 years. Thank you, church. Thank you. My wife has a new dress on, and we just feel like we're just successful evangelists on the field. We have arrived. Amen. Thank you so much. And I really mean that, and I appreciate it very much. What a wonderful God. Oh, how sweet is our God. And to, to take, to be with us, shall I say, this morning, to actually come and sit among us. For he does inhabit the praise of his people. That means he sits down, abides in his, our praise. And so Jesus is in the house. To all of our visitors, so I say guests that are here this morning, we're so glad to have you. And it is my prayer, I mentioned that many times, but it is my prayer and my heart desire that you are touched of God. That you leave here changed. You leave here from this sanctuary, you go out back to home or wherever you're going to and you can look at someone in the face and say, I was touched by God today. There is a God and he loves me. And that is my prayer. If you're here today and you're sick in your body, I believe with all of my heart, God has come to heal you of that disease. If you're here this morning and you're troubled and you're perplexed about things that are happening to you, and you need help in the situation that you're in. It seems impossible. I want you to know that God is well able to take care of that situation. If you're here this morning and you feel as though, oh Lord, I'm so far down. That, it, that it's almost impossible to be picked up. Or I live a life of sin. And there's sin in my life. And I don't know if you're going to help me or not. The devil has robbed you from from knowing this, let me tell you that God wants to help you and that God wants to touch you, touch you and forgive you of your sins. Do you know the greatest gift there is under the, uh, uh, given unto us? It's actually not the gift of the Holy Ghost. Don't misunderstand me. I love there's nothing like the Holy Ghost, the presence of God. But to me, the greatest gift is the gift of repentance. 
to be able to say, Lord, I'm sorry. And then, and then God forgive you of your sins and then fill you with that wonderful gift we call the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Turn to your neighbor, look at them in the eyes, say, God is here. So won't you and I just act like he's here and respond to him like he is here? Hallelujah. Thank you for having us. We're so glad to be here. We are looking forward to next services. And until God says and the pastor says it's time to quit, we, we love you uh, very much. Oh, by the way, new shoes too. You go ahead and laugh. It means a whole lot to me, though. Well, I understand why you're laughing. Who's the goofball behind that? Look, new shoes, too. But I'm just me. John chapter 11, verse number 1. John chapter 11, verse number 1. Now a certain man was sick named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary that anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet, excuse me, with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore his sisters sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. When Jesus heard that, He said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God. Everyone said the glory of God. That the Son of Man may be glorified thereby. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. When he had heard, therefore, that he was sick, he abode two days still in the place where he was. Then after that, said he to his disciples, let's go into Judea again. His disciples said to him, Master, the Jews of late sought to stone thee, and you want to go again? Jesus answered, are there not twelve hours in the day? If any man walk in the day, he stumble not, but because he seeth the light of this world. Pardon me for a moment. I'm a little emotional right now because God's speaking to me personally. and He's talk, talking to me and said, I'm going to heal thee. And I'm very thankful for God to tell me that right now. He's going to heal my body. Thank you, Lord, for your healing power. And the scriptures go on and says, but if a man walk in the night, he stumbled because there's no light in him. These things said he and after that he said unto them, <coughs> Our friend Lazarus sleepeth, but I'll go that I may awake him out of sleep. His disciples, <coughs> being so spiritual, said, Lord, if he sleep, he do it well. Howbeit Jesus spake of his death, but they thought that he had spoken of taking a rest. Then Jesus said unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And I am glad for your sake 
that I was not there. All of this is happening because of you. I did not go to my friend and heal him because of you. What he was actually saying to them is I'm allowing this to happen. That when the miracle takes place, perhaps you would really believe. So I'm allowing my friend to die. That you might believe. Nevertheless, let us go unto him. Father, thank you so much for your word and for your anointing and for your love and your kindness because there is none like you. We're here, Lord, in the will of God. We're here, Lord. We're here to receive from you. And we thank you for everything. Bless us today. Touch my mind and my lips. You heard my prayers early this morning. I don't want to come behind a pulpit just to preach. But I want to do your will. Or let me not preach again. Please God, touch your people. In the name of the Lord we pray. And everyone say amen. You may be seated. The story goes something like this, Brother Fontenot. Jesus receives a message that his friend Lazarus is dead. The disciples, pastors, are having trouble discerning the difference between flesh and what is spirit. Simply put, what is Jesus actually talking about? Jesus is late on the scene. Martha is furious. Mary is sitting somewhere in the corner of a tent, overwhelmed that Jesus had not come to her aid. The situation is now focused on one little word, and that word is if. Martha said unto Jesus, Lord, if you would have been here, this wouldn't have happened. Mary falls on her knees, Pentecostal style, if you please, saying unto him, Lord, if you would have been here, my brother would have not died. And the whole situation seems hopeless. After all, what good is a God who comes in late? Maybe you didn't hear me. But to them, they thought they would get him to move quickly. Because the message was, he whom thou loveth is sick. That means he's going to come quickly. And Jesus said, no. I'm going to come when I want to come. 
another, there's a more important issue that needs to take place here. Number one is I'm not just going to run to you because you want me to go. And number two, there's some among us that are not quite believing. Even though they heard the testimonies. And even though they see what God has been doing in this revival. And God said, I've got to let something die. A bigger situation, a bigger problem must need to occur. Then they will understand and believe, perhaps believe that I am he and they will believe in me. Somebody say, praise the Lord. Turn to your neighbor and say, he is in the will of God. So you might as well get with it too. You see, you are faced this morning with situations that are so puzzling and so complex that the need for Jesus is imperative. Oh, you're sitting down looking like everything's okay. I'm so glad I got my new suit on. You haven't maybe gotten to the place yet. And you're satisfied with just enough. But really, you really need Jesus more than you. Admitting that you do. You see, there can be no hope, Sister Sherman. There can be no deliverance, no salvation, no miracle, no healing if he doesn't come. Because only Jesus can do it. So we might as well get with the program. We might as well come to the conclusion that if he's the only one that can help me, I ought to do something to try to get his attention. And with this knowledge, your frustration rises to the level of total despair. After all, you have sent your petitions up in prayer. And you have waited expecting God to do something. Just to find yourself with no sign of an answer. Praise the Lord. Which throws your emotions into a state of frantic. And the battle begins within your mind and your spirit. Whether or not you should continue in the faith. Whether or not you should continue believing. Questions fills your minds. Is there really a God? And does he really care? Maybe I should just throw in the towel and quit. Am I preaching to someone here? Or am I just preaching another message? 
I, I feel the Holy Ghost. I just got that feeling. Now, you, you do whatever you want with it, but I get these feelings inside. And I get very emotional inside when God begins to deal with my brain and my soul. And I'm looking at a crowd that I know that if someone would just extend their faith just a little further and respond just perhaps a little harder and move just a little closer and do something a little different than before to get his attention. I feel that all heaven would open up and the Lord God would come upon us and God would heal us instantly and people would begin to be filled with the Holy Ghost. In other words, what are you waiting for? I was up this morning about five o'clock, and I believe with all of my heart I've come this morning sent by the will of God to tell someone that though you have not seen or though you have not heard an answer from him yet, does not mean that he's not coming. And that he's ha, ha, and that he's not on the way. And when he shows up, please don't have the attitude of getting in his face and saying, "If you would have come." It does not mean that your answer is not on the way. It does not mean that your situation will not change. It only means, church of the living God, that he has delayed his presence for a reason. What's that reason, Brother Sherman? Why would he delay? Why would he delay his coming with me? To build your faith. Why would he delay the answer for me? Why he would delay? The reason for it is the miracle that he wants to give you. Is greater than the miracle you want. I, I need a young man. That is not shy. I saw a young man that's not shy. Bro, will you do me a favor if it's possible? Would you come and make a lap around this building? If we're going to sing the old songs, then let's act the way we used to act with the old songs. If we're going to sing the old songs, why don't we worship the way we used to worship with the old songs? If we're going to sing the old songs, why don't we have a move of God that came with the old songs? God hasn't changed. Thank you, brother. Hallelujah. You may be seated. The miracle that he wants to give you it's greater than the miracle that you really want. The miracle was behind the stink.
And the miracle that he wants to give you is greater than the problem or the foul smell or the stink that you're living in. Me and you, Jesus. Me, you, and my new suit. Hallelujah. I believe that you can do all things. I believe that you're God of God, the Lord of Lords, King of Kings. I believe that you're the creator of the heavens and the earth. I believe that you are he that was and is and is to come, the Almighty. I believe that greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. If it's just you and I, God, we're going to have church. If it's just you and I, God, we're going to have a move of God. I like eating my Roy's, but tough Roy's when I can feast on this. Turn to your neighbor, look at them, sell you up. Flip that collar down before somebody thinks I'm trying to do that especially. Turn to your neighbor, look at them and say, there might be a smell in your life. How matter of fact, do something else. Look at them and go... There might be a stink in your life. Now let's don't just leave them there. Turn to them and say, but that stink won't stop the miracle. And the miracle is bigger than the stink that you're in. I don't know, Mary, maybe your marriage stinks. I even got a couple of. Maybe you feel that even you love, as much as you love your children, there's a little smell there. Or as maybe as much as you love your husband or wife, there's a smell there. Your family, maybe there's a stink in your health. Maybe there's a little smell or a little stink in your walk with God. But the fact is this morning that the miracle that he wants to give you is greater than what troubles you. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Waiting for Jesus to come is worth the wait. Martha and Mary wanted Pastor a healing while Jesus wanted to perform a miracle beyond their wildest dreams. Martha and Mary wanted a healing 
But Jesus wanted to raise the dead. Martha and Mary's dilemma went from a sick brother to a dead brother. And from a dead brother to decaying corpse. A smelling body. And, and then the way they spoke to Jesus when he said roll away the stone. They looked at him and told him something like he did not know. He said, but Lord, he's thinking. If I would have been Jesus, I would have went, duh. I'm Jesus and I don't know that he's thinking. I waited for him to stink. I waited for four days because three days, according to the Jewish custom, Three days he still perhaps maybe could live. But on the fourth day when he smells, we know that he's dead. I showed up when everything seemed impossible. But when impossible is there, I can bring the miracle. Trying to tell someone this morning that you don't have to stay where you're at. You don't have to live where you're at. You don't have to go through what you're going through. God's here to do it for you. So maybe your problem started small and it's gone to some great, great problem. It just seems that there's no hope at all. But once Jesus shows up and he has today, no matter what you're facing, he'll do it. He'll do it. We were in revival. I'll never forget it. God was moving in such a way like he is this morning. I hope you realize how God is moving this morning. And visitor, friend, guess, I hope that you won't sit there in your problem and leave here. And church, I hope you won't sit there and not move and do anything that would not encourage those that are here as visitors to encourage them to come. But we were in revival. And God was moving in such a way like this. And I remember the Lord began to minister to a particular man. And this man was devastated. This man's life was at a place where to him and to others, there's no way possible that anything could be savage to help him. It was that bad. It was that far gone. But yet he was sitting on a pew. And in church. You know even though we sit down and we know within ourselves how terrible it is. And how hopeless it may look. There's something about us deep within that God has put in us. 
That no matter how terrible it looks or how bad it may seem, something real deep inside says, you know, just maybe, just maybe he can change my life. Maybe the preacher is telling the truth and he can forgive me of my sins and wash them away. And he can baptize me with the Holy Ghost. And, and I can go to heaven and, and not go to this place where we call and the Bible calls hell. And after the Lord began to minister to this man, he stood up, ran to an altar. And as he came to the altar, lifted up his hands. And God instantly filled him with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Uh, maybe you didn't hear me. I said, this man that thought everything was lost. Hopeless. His life was in the stench that you could not believe. Yet God touched him and when he came to the altar, God instantly filled him with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And after that service, he went to the pastor, he went to me and said, you told me things that only God and I knew. He said that. That I knew that I had hope. I I went visit my uncle. What was it? Thursday. I received the call. Said he's gonna they give him two weeks to live. So I went down, drove about three hours, and I went to see him, and he was sitting in the chair, a man close to six foot tall, weighing 118 pounds. I walked in there, and he looked at me, and the lady that was there looked at him and said, Paran. You know who this is? And right away he recognized me. And I have a little nickname. It's kind of silly, but they call me Chup. He said, that's Chup. Cajun accent. Filled with cancer. And I prayed for him. 
Then I fell on the floor. I didn't just do a preacher's prayer. I didn't go to him and just say, Lord, would you touch him? After I finished the preacher's prayer, I fell on my face and said, God, would you touch him? I could not handle, told Sister Sherman, I said, honey, I can't handle the burden of the people. Any longer. The burden's too heavy to have a burden for people in hell and heaven and problems. And I'm sorry, sir. This may not be what. It's hard. It's hard to look at you this morning when I know you need God. And I fought the devil for eight weeks. Calling God help me, and you sit there today, and you still wondering what to do. Chuck me off. I'm not the professional evangelist, but I got a burden. I love you. I don't want you to go to hell. And then God sends me with a message. I've got a miracle greater than your problem. Yes. Everybody ought to be running to an altar and say, yes, God. Yes, God. And I left there. Coming home. Thinking, if God doesn't touch him, I'm going to lose him. And my uncle is going to slip through a preacher's hand and fall into an eternity. I just can't handle it. Why are you being ugly to us, Brother Sherman? I'm not. And why are you preaching? So what are you doing? Hey, visitor. I mean, if you're not aware of what's going on, this church is having a visitation from God. It's not just a church service, but you literally have a visitation from God. And God is pouring everything out of him to try to make this church understand. So what's taking place? Jesus says, I've got to cause something to die. Then perhaps they'll believe. That's what he did with his disciples. Tongue's interpretation right now. Spirit of prophecy is here right now. Holy Ghost is here right now, swirling over people's heads. 
the power of God, the conviction of God. We sang about amazing grace. It's touching people's hearts, knocking at some of your doors. Hallelujah. Right now. Hallelujah. Some of you perhaps are still saying, why don't the preacher come knock at my door? He don't want me to knock at you at this time. He wants to, and he's knocking at your door. And if God can't bring you out, my prayers and my, my prophecy to you won't touch you. Are you believing your uncle is going to be healed? What do you think? I ain't go there for fun. But it's his response towards God. Now, there are miracles all along. The presence of God. He talked to me behind the pulpit. He told me, he said, I worry, I'm going to heal you. We were worried about it. You know, preachers get sick too. Don't know why, but he does. Especially in revival. <laughs> At least this one does. I don't know about other evangelists, but I don't know. <laughs> me, is, I'm a different story. But it's okay. I love you.